0: Welcome to the Stories, Our Soul Food Podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees, I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road.
1: So welcome to SAS Words number 88. Yeah. Ocho. Ocho, Ocho. Ocho, Ocho. Double Ocho. What are we talking, what are we talking about today, uh, Well,
0: people want to know what your favorite novel is.
1: Mm. That's Just rude. quick. That's rude. No, uh, it's also super easy. It's that hideous strength.
0: Yeah, but now they want to know what your favorite novel is by a living novelist. Well, C. S. Lewis
1: is alive, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but he's more truly but- <laughs> alive than he ever was. Okay, all right, we're in we're in
0: normal <laughs> normal language zone. So C. S. <laughs> Lewis is dead. <laughs> Let's be clear, uh, but alive, he's,
1: but more truly alive. Okay, how yeah.
0: about on, on this earthly plane, this veil. Uh, mortal coil all that sort in of
1: brackets thing. sucks on teeth oh <laughs> uh, uh, man the favorite novel from a living author that's tough uh i know
0: you assign some yeah but i it tough is a high a high standard tom wolf died
1: um so he's out and yeah the, I'm, I'm scrolling through um, the obituaries, <laughs> uh, favorite I mean, Mar- novel. I mean,
0: what do you think about Marilyn Robinson?
1: She doesn't, she doesn't make my top five, um, leaf anger. Yeah, I, he does. I'm kind of bouncing between. So here's, here's the deal. I would say that beautiful ruins is, is up there. Okay. Jess uh, Walter. Yep. Uh, beautiful ruins is up there and that's that is not an endorsement of all the content i quickly add as i as i there's no
0: clear play for books
1: yeah there's no clear play there's just move skip move on um beautiful ruins and peace like a river are are up there wow from living authors
0: okay nice i've been i just read uh i've been reading
1: actually although i really like even jellyfish (laughs) <laughs> and your father i gotta say my dad's novel even jellyfish is magnificent well i mean we have
0: to to thump the words for a little bit the fact that it was novel right? of the year christianity yeah.
1: today that's a, that's it's really funny it's a good it's one really good even jellyfish is really good yeah so and i think and i haven't read read it in a while so i should swing back through it's great yeah
0: but, but um, character yeah. character wise
1: is that why it's great Uh, It's actually it's a great lesson for I I like making people read it because it's a great lesson in how to write using the architecture of a story. And I've tried to help young writers learn how to steal architecture uh, from biblical stories. And because even jellyfish is a Jonah story where Mm -hmm. you say, "Okay, it's a Jonah story. We're going to follow the we're going to follow the beats. We're going to follow the structure of Jonah, but we're going to take those beats and put them in in an entirely different situation so you have a baptist pastor who is jonah and you have a mega church pastor named chad lester who is nineveh (laughs) like
0: (laughs) all on his lonely (laughs) yeah he
1: he represents nineveh he's the one guy that this baptist pastor does not want to help and does not want to see saved and does not want to preach to it's like no lord anyone but chad lester i will not help chad lester and then so the, the whole thing plays out uh, following the beats you know the various beats of, of uh, Jonah story and and you can find all that so is it an allegory no it's not allegorical it's architecturally stealing uh, mm-hmm. the structure of Jonah and so that's something I've really encouraged a lot of young writers to do and, and novelists early in their career when they are trying to figure out something I have a setting I have a character I've got I've got the seed of a plot that i really really like i'm just can't quite figure it out and it's like well what to do it's like well if you're an architect you decide at the outset like are you building a colonial are you building you know what are you doing something neoclassical what are you where are we like what are you actually executing what kind of architectural style are you trying to execute and it really helps a lot for a novelist to find the skeletal structure of something ancient, classic, true. And when you find something true, and I say true, meaning scripture, I'm gonna tell a Samson story, I'm gonna tell an Exodus story, I'm gonna tell a prodigal son story, I'm gonna tell mm-hmm. you know one of these, one of these stories, I'm gonna tell a Messiah story. But you don't just have to go to the messianic, you can go to a David story, a Joseph story, you can go to a Joseph and Potiphar's wife story, a Joseph and his brother's story. You can go to all these different kinds of structures, grab one of those structures and pull it in an Esther story, Ruth story, Rahab story, mm-hmm. you know, and then recast it in modern day. And you're not telling the story of Rahab. And it's not, you're not That's trying to. That's the
0: distinction I think people miss.
1: Yeah. You're not telling the story of Rahab. You're telling the story of, you know, Tiffany uh, and you're, and she's not a harlot in Jericho in Jericho right she is of you know you you're telling a story of one a, a girl's move and loyalties from you know one side to the other side and and becoming critical and key in um really righteousness and salvation of the whole system mm-hmm. so like you're going to take those beats and you're going to take that structure and you're going to execute it that way you can do it with things like shakespeare's plays you can do it with novels where you you take the architecture Mm -hmm. of something and it's not a retelling that's a different that's a different deal you could also say if this is a retelling this is pride and prejudice but with zombies um that's a retelling i'm talking about the architecture the kind of thing that people could read and never know and it would be just as excellent without their knowing but then someone intelligent reads it, somebody more intelligent reads it and realizes it and just adds an extra layer of joy when they discover that architecture. It's like another, another yeah. layer where they go, oh wow. And it's also not necessary. It's just really, really helpful early when you're training your own narrative instincts to take a structure that you know has worked. It's a reliable structure. This is engineering that is good. This is narrative engineering that has worked. It's held up. It's solid and I'm going to pull it over. Oh, and follow it. Now, is it possible
0: that, that when you say narrative architecture, I think people
1: hear you saying plot points, but really it's like Jonah, the person, right? Plot points, but think about over overarching movements. Okay. So not plot points so much as the, the dance, like the relationship movements, meaning like, uh, there's the, I, I talked about who are you, who are they, you know, and all those things. Think of those relationships. Like, yeah, there's people here, there's people there, there's people here. And these are the movements. So not the not the plot points, uh-huh. um, but the overarching moves where you have uh, if you're telling an Esther story, there would be a move from this this girl, there'd be a girl, obviously, and she's going to be moving from outcast into inner ring power broker right displacing someone Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and there's going to be in doing that uh, a a absolutely critical playing a critical role in saving the outcast group that she came from and doing so with an enemy in that court so like okay so there's going to be an enemy there's going to be an outcast group there's going to be an inner ring a royal ring and you're going to like these movements are going to happen so yeah, there's going to be plot points that trigger those movements, but you're not, stab- you're not establishing the plot points. The plot points become inevitable as a result of the movements. So you know what movements have to, they must happen. These movements must happen. And so it enables a, a, an aspiring novelist to then go and realize, to uncover that they need plot points, which ones they need and what must be triggered hmm. instead of sitting around being like, I wonder what should happen. Because they don't have a bullseye, so the if you if you borrow the architecture of an ancient story or a biblical story or a classic work of literature, um, pieces of treasure of you know Treasure Island, you know that that kind of thing. Yeah. Then and I just did this, so I' pitching um, one of my favorite old uh, ideas for a Christmas movie, and it's the last the last Christmas sweater, right? So it's this big madcap farce. And I actually said, like, so I'd want to steal some of the architecture of Treasure Island. He was <laughs> like, okay, so there's no overlap. Yeah. Like, there's no apparent overlap in genre or anything. Now, what do I, what did I mean by that? What I, what I meant is like, okay, well, there's going to be somebody. Do you need the Long who, John Silver character, is that? No, it was more about the, the, the trigger of the, a Billy Bones character who flees. It's like mm-hmm. So the nature of the movements would be a Billy Bones character. And I did, I did this in Ashtown. I've done this before in, in The Dragon's Tooth. And I just named him Billy Bones, uh, <laughs> William Skelton. Um, if you have a character who flees a group, right? And he has taken Flint's map. He's taken the thing. So you have, some, you have a character with a thing that is prized. And he's fled the group you know, the usual yeah, outlaw right. renegade group yep. and he in fleeing it is being pursued by his old allies and they're going to kill him. But before he's killed by his old allies, he has handed this off to our new protagonist Christmas story, Christmas story. Right. So in that exchange, those are movements. Um, right. So yeah. that helps your opening yeah. have and like, okay, so these are, these happen. are movements. And like in these movements, that's treasure Island those are the treasure those are the movements of treasure island and so i want to take the movements of treasure island i want to use it here um you know and and i could do that in a lot of different places and people just recognize it as classic and they wouldn't especially if you dress it up in a completely different genre they wouldn't just think treasure island right yeah it does they need the decor of treasure island to recognize if treasure if you island. don't
0: put a, a skull and crossbones they're not going to pick it up yeah, yeah so if
1: you if you do what i did in the dragon's tooth and you name him billy bones if you name him uh, William Skeleton, and you give him the skeleton tattoo and you have him being pursued and I've got the Admiral Benbow in is the Archer Motel and I have a Long John Silver character and I'm really jumping up and down on it. Then people figure it out. Um, but then I also hybridize in Dragon's Tooth and it starts to exchange, you know, like where we start to move into, okay, here's the the themes of Cyrus, here's Antigone and each of the characters actually have their own, classic architecture. So Antigone has her movements that are uh, representative of the ancient Antigone and Cyrus of Cyrus the Great. And, you know, but we still have the opening of treasure Island and you, and you, you know, navigate those things in this. What I'm describing here is once you've set these movements, you now have a bullseye. I need a, I need a plot point that triggers the movement. Mm. The movement must be triggered. I can't just impose the movement. You know, it's like it has to be triggered. And that, and that enables and the creativity. What you mean is
0: you can't just have Cyrus go off on his own
1: on an adventure yeah,
0: with, without setting it up something to happen. He just right? wakes up
1: one day and it's like, I think that I'm going to go try adventure.
0: to find a secret society that
1: dad. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 exactly. So you have these different uh, inciting incidents, these different um, catalysts that actually trigger things. And until you've set your movements and until you've set what the architecture is, you can't really uh, even measure which inside an incident, which plot point, what we would call a plot point, is the right fit. Like, which one's right? Because you haven't okay. picked your bullseye yet. The bullseye is the movement. And so this one will get me to that bullseye. This is right. This shoe fits. This thing is right for this particular uh you know this particular move so er, early on especially when people are trying to design uh to design stories or, or plan stories i think it's extremely helpful to think in terms of imitating the architecture narratival architecture uh from classics from classics mm-hmm. from scripture and and so on um i don't remember how we got onto this well we but, were talking to jonah jonah, jonah yeah, yeah, yeah 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 my call. favorite novel so yeah peace like a river beautiful ruins the architecture of beautiful ruins is one of the reasons why i really admire it um interesting i i i um enjoyed his
0: writing quite a bit in that one i've read it yeah not as much i didn't enjoy his writing in some of the other ones but he's way more historical in some of the other ones
1: yeah so the nature of that he was writing multiple different novels and then realized that they were all part of the same thing he realized that he was doing something different and if you read his his earlier novels they're kind of rushed everything's clipped everything's quick mm-hmm. and that one is very uh symphonic you know like just in structure and how yeah, it moves over across time over 50 years for this structure yeah uh and following all these different characters in different ways and and it, it's similar in that way to like anthony door in terms of scope and i just think that jess um i Walter, think he did i yeah. think he managed it better i think he he paid off uh he delivered on the promise of the premise better than anthony door did yeah so i as much as i okay. like all, I, I like anthony doors um all you know, the light you cannot yeah. see yeah i like all the light you cannot see but there's so many things he promises on and there's so many interesting setups that don't quite ever come to pass mm. uh, they don't ever deliver uh there yeah for Where Jess and beautiful ruins really does
0: yeah, with, with beautiful ruins. Did you? I mean, I guess what's what is that underlying structure? I guess it's prodigal, sort of that son trying to come back and find his meaning. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and or, no, it's Ecclesiastes. Yeah, you know, it's it's a, uh, it's very it is very solomonic. Um, uh, it's it's all brokenness, and yeah. it's it's, um, redemption and brokenness, and he's got, you know, pieces of the answers. Like he's got, he's got pieces of hope. He's got little glimpses of it. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a book that's just like, yep, here's the truth. (laughs) You know? Well, yeah, I just read Cold Millions and
0: I felt, which is his historic, novel of Spokane. And uh, I felt even bleaker.
1: No, I, I, I I didn't finish Cold Millions. Okay. I've got it. It's not that I won't. Uh, Kobe Bryant said there's no such thing as failure. Because there's always tomorrow, oh. you, only, you only failed on a Monday. There you go. You so you haven't you finished have, yet. So I haven't finished Cold Millions yet. <laughs> right? So you have the Simpsons when Homer uh-huh. says, "This is your worst day so far." Uh, so <laughs> far. So I haven't finished Cold Millions because I found pieces of it really interesting, but it was like, oh, this is, mm, yeah. Um, I'm just and Beautiful Ruins has aspects of that. There's aspects of of yeah. clear despair in there. Mm. Uh, but there's also pieces of Ecclesiastes in there. And I think there's yeah. there's warmth and hope. There is hope. Well, Cold Millions got energized when you
0: met the bad guy, which was about halfway yeah. into the book, I think. It just took so long. And all yeah. of a sudden, you're like, oh, here's the story. Yeah. Uh, with Beautiful Ruins. Also, I remember the Hollywood descriptions being hilarious. And oh. I wondered if that is true. Is that what Hollywood oh. is
1: like? <laughs> I actually... His, his descriptions of Hollywood, I actually i died i mean i i completely and absolutely died it's like a pitch meeting
0: it. with a guy in his bathrobe.
1: Right? He t- yeah he's yeah. shuffling around hunched over and he turns around and has the face of a 10-year-old filipino boy because of all the plastic surgeries. yes yeah, that's right but but it's uh i actually i was in this meeting almost exactly I mean, it's okay. Well, and I, I told him, I actually, I told Jess that it's like, I feel like I actually know the same people. I know these, I know who you're talking about. Like, actually, I actually know who you're describing. Like, I know it it was, it was hilarious to me because it was not, um, it it was not fiction. Mm. (laughs) It, It was actually, it was based on real people that I have also met. And was it a good description? Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) I mean, enough that I was like, oh, Jess. Is that too much on the nose? (laughs) It was like, wow, it was magnificent. But yeah, so that book though, it's bleak. It has plenty of bleakness. I don't want to pretend like. um,
0: Well, that's probably a helpful conversation. People ask all the time, how much is too much? Or which seems like. I mean, a question you do have to ask about a novel, like, should I be reading one? I think that one has a couple sex scenes in it.
1: There's there's things in there to this, book, yeah, flipping, flipping the page, you know, right. it's like skipping, skipping. It's like yeah. you don't need to like let your imagination be led into certain places. Like there's you have you have control, like you're still in control when you're yeah, um, when you're reading things. Um, but peace like a river is is just glorious and um, beautiful. Ruins is incredibly impressive and so i think that it's one of my favorites because it's aspirational it's a it's a book that i look at and like yeah this is yeah it's really really good and really impressive and uh i've got all my my inland northwest loyalty to that right spokane author um but yeah i you've met jess mm -hmm, yeah yeah. and i read it i read the, the book blew up it exploded it really took off and isn't it number it was a number one right it was huge and i read it early on he came through moscow he was downtown moscow and and i met him then and um read the book and emailed him immediately you know with a a lot of thoughts and and uh yeah he's, he's super impressive um so regardless of world you know worldview divergence um which there's there's plenty of yeah it's he,
0: he also seems to do Spokane hate better than anybody I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got Spokane, like, and you live there, so it's, yeah. it's coming from a place of both love and yeah. hatred. Yeah, no, it's a grossness. So of that the one, Beast <laughs> Like a River" and
1: "Beautiful Ruins" are up there from okay. living from living authors. They're they're the two. Why not Marilyn Robinson? Uh, I feel like the burden of proof is on the other side. <laughs> well no she's, I'm she's obviously what, talented
0: i'm curious what you i i have my own thoughts gilead for example i'm guessing that that pastor is very different from your dad and in that sense part of it you just it made you want the pastor to act very differently than he did but i don't know if that's correct ready for a
1: true confession okay i i don't think i finished gilead i think okay. i stopped like 15 pages from the end or so well you haven't finished it yes (laughs) it's like but i was i was i don't remember where i i i had kind of uh i mean there's no story i was mad i have i have i have sort of an impression of anger okay and i was just like walked away Mm. and i don't even remember i like there's kind of a a fuzzy blackness (laughs) that i have there around the memory there so i I don't even want to i'd have to in order to speak more clearly about okay. it and maybe this is an example of like okay i have to go be a grown-up and read it and and read it all the way through in a neutral and objective way just like i watched five minutes of rings of power um <laughs> neutral and objective are the hashtags of the show um yeah uh prop actually propaganda recently tweeted uh an image speaking of rings of power of Lord of the Lord of the Rangs, <laughs> that oh, was no. all the, all the characters replaced with hood characters with black actors. And I, I immediately thought I would a hundred percent watch that more than I would more than I would watch rings of power. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's, uh, Marilyn Robinson has never been, she has never ever been able to to get me. It's always been, and I've, I've read, I've read things of her and I've read enough to know that she's good. Yeah. You know, she's, she's good, but I always feel like she's trying to make me eat a scone in her kitchen without the heat on and like, (laughs) while serving me tepid tea. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I should say I really like Marilyn Robinson.
1: <laughs> so maybe I'm just that guy who's like, "Hmm, this tea is just just, just the tepid, right lukewarm, just tepid just enough." And again, I I first formed that impression at a fairly young age. So it's oh, okay. it could this could be the prejudice of youth yeah. that I just need to I just need to go back and give yeah. her a fair shake. Well, it is I a- have read things of hers that I admire and sections. Yeah. any Dillard's like that. I really do like. I have Annie Dillard and Marilyn Robinson in the same you know the same general category okay in my head It's like I think very I've insulted you before because I said
0: if you Nate will remind Annie Dillard will remind you of Nate, my students all agreed, yeah, yeah, I mean I think stylistically yeah there's things
1: clearly have. yeah there's there's um technique like there's absolutely there's technique that i've i I've learned from Annie dillard um No question. Um, But in terms of content, like there's form, like there's a, there's a form technique that I'll, that I've gotten from her, but there's a content divergence. Yeah. That I, I think that, and I, this could be, again, this could be completely unfair, but I, in my, in my silo in my head, I have them kind of closer together than they are to me. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: Marilyn Robinson doesn't do chapters. It's just kind of long meditations that never stops. Yeah, And I can see that.
1: More tepid tea.
0: Yeah, it, it's, well, tea at least. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting too that she's rewritten the same story three times. Yeah. You know, the last one I couldn't finish. So I don't know. Maybe I've had too much tea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, this conversation is making me think, when did I form this prejudice? And I need to potentially rethink this. This is probably 15-year-old name. <laughs> yeah, no, it would have been probably like 19, <laughs> 19, okay. 20 before i'd really even written anything myself i i should probably go back i mean i have i have read enough of her to make other people read her right you know it's like right.
0: i've she'll be taken yeah
1: she's good yeah you can like, learn from anybody we're talking no, favorites, but she right is now. very talented yeah so i'm not saying that she's not talented this is about taste yeah like she is very very talented yeah um and so it is a uh it is very it is very taste based. The, the, the coldness of uh, what's it?
0: Housekeeping is that her story yeah. with multiple suicides and a train wreck. Yeah, you know, that's, that that's the I I think your cold description is probably fair.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm in a cold kitchen and there is some morning light in the window, but it's a very cold kitchen. And just turn the heat on, please.
0: <laughs> well, I remember but, being very disappointed when Obama was like, "My favorite author is Marilyn Robinson," and I was just like. Uh, you can't have her, but I guess you can because you're way more famous than me. <laughs> <you. laughs> I don't know. Is he? Huh? Is he more famous than you, Brian? Well, I last time I checked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is yeah. Marilyn Robinson doesn't make my top five, but that I know that's a taste thing. I know she's highly skilled. Yeah. This is no. It's no knocks to skill. It's kind of like watching a filmmaker where they are very, very good. It's just the the stories they choose to tell are not the stories that I like to consume
0: is this the time to talk about terrence malick yeah <laughs> i view him as the movie version of marilyn robinson yeah
1: head.
0: so like yes just tons of disparate elements and there are themes that come through when you watch the whole thing
1: but uh did i watch Olive of tree of life i did mm, there you go was some of it profoundly laughable it was
0: are there dinos in that? Yeah, I there's, think the there's dino.
1: a dino benediction that jumps the shark, <laughs> <laughs> like thoroughly, and it should make the list of things like the so jump in the sharks from Happy Days. Yeah, you know when that when the the fawns literally jumps a shark in a boat,
0: it's uh, taken it's, as the sign the show had ended. Sh-
1: yeah, the, everything's gone way too far, and this yeah. is all broken. It, like, yeah, jumping the shark is going too far. Uh, nipples on the bat suit. Never put nipples on the bat suit. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was the Val Kilmer, uh, Mistake. Batman. I believe never put nipples on the batsuit. suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jump the shark, nuking the fridge. Uh, uh, Indiana, Jones, oh, Indiana, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones and the yep. Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, when he survives a nuclear blast by jumping in a refrigerator and shutting the door <laughs> after him.
0: <laughs> like I, f- I forgot, but that movie yeah. was already.
1: Yeah, nuke the fridge. So it's like you have nuking the fridge. Jumping the shark, nimble's in the bat suit. And then I think Terrence Malik hits it with a dinosaur benediction.
0: <laughs> I don't even remember why those are in there. I just remember it happens in the middle of the movie. And if you complain that it didn't come at the beginning of the movie, because that would be <laughs> chronologically significant. Oh. You knew people told you you didn't get the movie. So,
1: yeah. So that having a one dino dying on the ground, another dino runs by and pauses and, Puts his claw on his head. See, oh, I forgot. And exactly gives a little happened. little benediction to the dying dinosaur, then runs off. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that we put that with the nipples on the bat suit. It was bad, <laughs> but there was, I will say, about Tree of Life. There's there are things I admire about it. Same same deal. With, no, yeah, plenty totally. But what the thing I admire the most about it is the unflinching monotony. <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> I mean, okay, Nate. <laughs> no, I mean, like, really. So my. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like that movie. I don't love it, but <laughs> no, no this I I mean this and like I actually do admire this. <laughs> so so this is incredible. <laughs> this blurb so. has got to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so um mm. my I was uh my girls were just telling me one of the things that they find funniest about the men in their family is that we have the ability to amuse ourselves and only ourselves. <laughs> and to just laugh, like to tell a terrible joke and just laugh. And it doesn't matter how many people are around us who think it's not funny and are telling us it's not funny. We find it funny. And the fact that they don't find it funny makes it funnier. Mm. It makes it so much funnier to us. And so my son is this way and I am this way and my father is this way. And my dad's favorite joke is what happened what happened to the girl who ate the curtains? What happened? She got sick. (laughs) And everybody will just stare at him and then he will die every time. And he will have a coughing fit and he will slap his chest and like just, that's hilarious. Yeah. And the thing that's funny about it is how not funny it is. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. I just told you a joke that's not funny. You know, it's ha ha ha. And you all find it not funny and you're all staring at me with this like that's not funny and that's hilarious like creating that okay the moment yeah that the overall moment of of that their befuddlement when you tell it to a bunch of 12 year old kids and they all stare at you like and you're like obviously if you ate curtains you'd get sick and Mm. that's so funny (laughs) that you told that joke so then then you go to Terrence Malick on Tree of Life and I think of one one scene, I was my wife was so frustrated on the couch next to me, and, I, and it was like a planet falling into a star, falling into a sun, and just slowly, and it looked like a screensaver, and it was like, literally, it was moving just barely fast enough to not burn the image into our TV, but
0: it was like... And the soundtrack is going to be going like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the
1: the sun is throbbing and this planet's falling slowly into it. And you're ready for it to cut away. You're ready for it to cut away. And it just kept not. And I remember reaching a point where I just thought, yes, (laughs) like just, (laughs) yes like that is that's so that's magnificent curtains
0: level eating the
1: curtains. yeah it's like he's just like no i'm watch it darn it this is what i'm showing you he's got his hand on the dp like hold it yeah (laughs) yeah the visual effects studio because he didn't really film that i think he really But (laughs) but it's uh and i watching this i'm just thinking really like this is amazing this is amazing that you're just yeah that you have this level of commitment and competence That's, he does to just that. this unflinching, yeah, unflinching approach. And I will say that the, the absolute best things about that film are his treatment of guilt and memory. Like the way he yeah. presents guilt and memory is fantastic. The way most people try to present flashbacks and memories are terrible. But as a filmmaker, he is really, really good at that. In terms yeah, of yeah, those
0: two brothers and the dad, you know, jumping back in time, remembering when that one thing happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. and then also communicating the sickness of guilt over a small naughtiness, and yep. it, like he just communicates that yep. gorgeously, like just in and so of course truthful.
0: thematically, he's trying to say it matters, right? I mean, he's trying yes. to put it on a cosmic scale and say it matters. Yep. So that is a bold move to
1: then. No, it's very bold. And then, and but then the whole ending with Sean Penn just walking around high in the desert. Well,
0: Mary, I, it's Mary stuff, right? Yeah, Virgin the, Mary. I think it's like whatever. I, yeah. I mean,
1: the, the end.
0: Whatever. At that point, these Protestants tapped out. Before. Yeah, as soon as I was like, "What's with the lady?" and then I was like, "Oh, blue, it's Virgin Mary." But yeah,
1: he's um, but he's high. Sean Penn's clearly high. <laughs> um, and all I'm saying is Mary was there. <laughs> yeah. So so was the other Mary. <laughs> oh, <no>. Um, <laughs> this episode is already. Well, one of our best of our <laughs> 88 ocho ocho. Yeah. But sharp. the the point is that Malik what I admired the most about Malik is his commitment. Like his yeah. absolute commitment to what he's telling and what he's doing as opposed to what the consumer or the audience would prefer, right? And I really admire that. And so
0: Well, I mean, did you watch Does his, it go
1: wrong? Yes. Yeah. Did you watch his God
0: subjector one? no no yeah that was three hours of just ex- you know really intense you i mean monotony i guess is probably the word now that unflinching I monotony <laughs> uh, i was just like how could you make a movie about a guy who gets killed this
1: boring like, <laughs> like
0: uh but so maybe maybe yeah maybe so i do correct.
1: but i really do admire i do admire his filmmaking and i do really admire his conviction and like, the
0: non-linearity is sometimes really fun because it allows yeah. that connection there
1: so his his commitment his conviction is always uh i mean just off the scale so you know if you want to put marilyn robinson over there like okay she does also have conviction she has that yeah i mean Um, she's
0: published four novels about the exact same event yep so yeah that's 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 some real commitment (laughs) that's (laughs) that's some conviction and they weren't all good so (laughs) (laughs) but
1: uh yeah she's not to my taste. overwhelmingly but she is somebody i and others can learn from can and should yeah um so this for me to say she's not to my taste is not for me to say that i'm better than she is i think her craftsmanship is is uh is way up there
0: yeah no well the point of this episode was supposed to get into a discussion of authorial voice but
1: i feel like we've done that yeah well i don't know that we did but we did something (laughs) (laughs) we did we did some things i will also add I finished the first season of Cobra Kai. Okay. And do you hold stand by the things you said in episode 87? Yeah, I will this is why I'm circling back to say my children and my wife and we're just all so angry at the writers for trying to do it for doing one thing and having one thing going one direction and then needing and this is something that writers do in fiction and in TV and film all the time needing the characters To go into a different place, and so wedging them like a kid shoving a puzzle piece into the wrong hole, wedging them into the wrong direction. Okay. And so the end of the season, Act Three of that season, just like is a mess. Mm. Um, at least of season one. So the humor of the characters, what the so much of what they were doing is was really clever. Uh, again, filtered. And as I as I'm setting the filters in vidangel is where we were where we were watching. Actually, I watched, um some in clear it's in both Clearplay play and VidAngel. angel as i was setting the filters in VidAngel, though you have a little more specificity of what was going on um and you thought oh. and i thought man that's it really does need it the filters are especially if you're watching with with a uh, family it's it's in bad need okay. of of filtration um it's too bad that they took it that why is it
0: why do you think they did that
1: because they're trying to they're trying to capture an older demo they're trying to capture a okay. Um
0: so that they would come away feeling this is really real, is that the vibe? Is that why you make that
1: vulgarity in there, or is it more trying well they're trying to gratuitous, uh, I guess they're trying to titillate they're trying to yeah okay, you know keep people watching you know for kind of some of the shock, some of the vulgarity, some of the i I don't think they're trying to sell realism so much as okay there's some naughtiness here too, right. but it's with that out when you pull that stuff out there's some real wit cleverness contrasting you know time machine elements uh, and they were doing something very very cool with these two characters um from the original karate kid and then they just kind of mm, just mm. fizzled so my my older kids want to at least try the beginning of season two but they're they're already kind of it just lost for them mm. uh, lost a lot I don't i don't know that we're gonna try anymore i'll be searching can you be i mean i guess it's spoiler but can
0: you be more specific like what decision got made here that really torched things
1: so one one of the things that i hate is and that they do too is when people construct artificial artificial ethical systems so if you're in this in this particular situation it's like okay so we're fighting um we're in a karate championship right and it's a combat sport, and we're fighting. And one side has been all about karate's for defense only, and one side is all about strike first, be strong, you know, you know aggressive. And in the championships, you have a kid who uh, hurts his shoulder in the fight, but he decides to continue to try to get the championship. Uh, then the writers want to move forward as if, um, as if his opponent should therefore just from sheer courtesy not touch his shoulder Mm. it's like no you're in a combat sport championships it's not and not injure his shoulder you're not trying to damage him so like the original karate kid you know the johnny character um he like throws a shot to the knee that would have legit like and be an injury shot like damage Yeah. yeah as opposed to you know he's he's you know, his shoulder hurts, right? You know, it's like hit him in his weak spot. Like, yeah, of course. Like he could tap out if he wants to, but no, he's decided to come back in and try to take the championship from you. I see. With yeah. you know, with, you're in a combat sport. Why is this? So then, but then you have suddenly a system that has been debated by the season. They, they decide to land on the side of just like gooey niceness is, is honor. Honor is like, don't do that. Um, And so basically don't, don't win. Don't don't win. Yeah. Yeah. And so they take their main character who the previous two episodes, they've suddenly turned into a jackass without any transition. Like they've not, he's been incredibly likable, but they need him to be going to the dark side a little bit. And they, so they start ramming the puzzle piece of this very likable character into the, you know, into this dark side character. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they don't Mm. in any way earn that. And then part of the big culmination is his willingness to hit his opponent in the shoulder in the championship. You know, it's like, but the kid is like, he's decided to come out here and try to fight. It's like, there's no, you don't get to put things off limits. Right. You know, in a in a combat sport because it's, you know, it hurts a little bit. Yeah. So it'd be one thing to say, hey, we're gonna try to permanently mar him. You know, it's another thing to hit him in his bruise. You know, it's like this is like this is the way it goes. If you watch like boss rootin fights, um, you know, he talked about the guys who would train by kicking tree trunks with their shins, you know, a hundred times each day to like deaden all the nerves of their shins and then thicken the bone. Um, and he would do that by kicking the, he would do, he would do that specifically, but he would also, uh, kick the sand at the bottom of a heavy bag. So in the gym, he would just wail his shins on the sand at the bottom every day, many, many times, a hundred times with each shin, enabling him to go in to, uh, you know, to go into a fight and take somebody's femur out with his shin. Like he could, he could snap their leg. Like with a shin kick, and like, okay, they're getting into the ring to fight, like they're going to fight. now, if he starts kicking you in the femur, like you have the option. like you start getting wailed in the femur, and there's a, one, one of his uh, fam- one of his famous final fights, this big heavyweight got in there and had a he had a bad leg. He, from a you know he was injured early, and he tried to come back in, and boss just started going after his leg, yeah, and the guy was intelligent enough to tap out. He's like, I don't want, yeah. Like, yeah. I like, I don't want to. Okay, like you win, like you win because you can snap my leg, and I don't want you to snap my leg. <laughs> and so, boss, like, hugs him, and you know, con- you know, they're friends afterwards. They're like, because this is what combat sports are like. So, to say, I want to fight for the championship, and my shoulder yep. hurts. So, please don't touch it. Is like, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. I mean, it's what you do in sports. Yeah, it's take like, advantage
0: is, of. The person who's not as good. Yeah, he's,
1: you know, that guy's got a bad ankle. We're going that direction with the ball. That cornerback, like he's that. brand new. He's a yeah, young he, kid. He's a young or, kid. Or we just rang his bell. Yeah. Like, we just rang his bell. He just was slow getting up. So, guess who we're going after this time? Yeah. You know, it's like, you, you have to be that way. And so, there's a, they impose this ethical system where he's not harming the guy. He was not trying to, he was not trying to permanently harm the guy. Unlike boss. (laughs) Boss is like (laughs) Um, leg. (laughs) So they had the kid who has got the bum shoulder is being honorable by walking out there and refusing to tap out and having his feelings hurt. Like really being all emotional and having his feelings hurt about how dirty the other guy is for kicking him in the shoulder.
0: Mm.
1: That's like, well, this is that's that right there. That's classic right now. Misunderstanding about how the world should work. So if you're hurt, you can tap out. If you're hurt and you want to play through it, you can play through it. Yeah. But you, what you don't get to do is take your your particular little victimhood right now and weaponize it. Like, and take it out and weaponize it. And the show had, had shown some real insight in that exact regard through the first few episodes and then picked, picked the current virtue trend as the as the truth, as the way and the truth at the end of the season, which was infuriating my kids. And I was like, well, they do have to kind of like try to extend it in the next season and we'll, you know, whatever, they needed to set some stuff up. But they really just felt like they were forcing it mm. and trying to force it and also trying to get, um, probably licking some boots with some executives, you know, to make, to make it through. Mm. Uh, you think someone
0: could have come in and said it needs to be this way?
1: No, they, they would see the scripts and there would have been conversations. There would have been all sorts of things, you know. Okay. Uh, but they, they got forced. It got forced at I the see. end. And it got forced into falsehood. Into like, this is evil when it wasn't. It got forced into this kid who's very likable and is learning to be masculine is now a jackass. Because that's what masculinity is. It took masculinity and it, did ma- it made it more inevitably toxic. And it started. It started right. doing some things like that that it had not been doing um, early on. Anyway, enough so that uh, my kids, from age twelve to age nineteen, the ones who watched it, were all just like blarg, <laughs> blarg, Blarg. So anyway, that's my follow up note on jumping the shark. We were like, hey, the first, the, the, the little, the beginning was fun. Let's let's kind of like, you know, chip away at these short episodes, and there we go. That's the end. That's the end end of Ocho Ocho. Double Ocho. In which we talked about all sorts of random things. Uh, But narrative architecture. Narrative architecture. architecture. I don't know that we talked about authorial voice. Did we? That's At all? Next week. We didn't talk about that.
0: So So Nate has things to say for you next week. In Ocho (laughs) No-No. Okay. (laughs) Please take it out.
1: (laughs) You can tell that we're really good with language. (laughs) Peace. (laughs)
0: Hi, it's Brian Cole here wanting to let you know how you can support the Stories Our Soul Food podcast. You can do that by checking out Canon Plus. Head over to mycanonplus.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the SASF podcast. We'll hopefully be seeing you at mycanonplus.com.
1: Make you uh...